Now, first to the impact on United States politics and attitudes after the hearings into the January the 6th Capitol riots wrapped up or is wrapping up, I think, today. The committee seeking to lay out the full magnitude of former President Donald Trump's attempts to remain in power after the 2020 election. And you would have heard, I'm sure, on the news, a story about Steve Bannon, his uh, former associate, actually being convicted of contempt of Congress. It's been an incredible exercise. Eight separate hearings presided over by nine Republican and Democrat Congress people, hearing a range of witnesses testify to events around that eventful day, hearings that broke the usual rules of usually pretty tedious inquiries, delivering instead quite riveting viewing. The Economist's American columnist judged it thus this week. The January the 6th committee has hobbled Donald Trump, but it has not blocked his return to the White House. Well, an Australian-American observer of politics in both countries has been watching keenly from the US. He's a friend of the show and a senior fellow at the US Study Centre, Bruce Walpy, who joins me now. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, Geraldine, wonderful to be with you. Thanks for inviting me back this morning with you. What happened at this last hearing? Uh, As Liz Cheney, the vice chair of the committee, said at the outset, and she is uh, one of two Republicans on the committee, the Republican leadership prevented other Republicans from joining. Uh, Liz Cheney, her colleague Adam Kinzinger, uh, are, are aligned with the Democrats as to what the committee needs to do. And Liz Cheney said that the dam has broken on people coming forward with evidence regarding all the all those events. A lot of people think that looking back on January 6th, they see um, the insurrection, the attack on the Capitol, the mob, the desecration of the citadel of democracy, an attempt to stop the Senate and the House from doing their constitutional duty, and then it was over. What this committee has laid out, in fact, is a seven-pronged alleged conspiracy directed by Donald Trump to overturn the election and keep himself in power. So we had, it's not only the attack on the Capitol, it was pressure on state legislatures to rescind their electoral college votes. It was the call to the officials in Georgia saying, oh, just get me another 800 votes so I can win the election. It was um, an attempt to decapitate the Justice Department, install his officials, so the Justice Department would take official action to overturn the election with state legislatures. So a, a mosaic is being put together, and I think it culminated yesterday in the narrative of what, in Watergate, it was what did the president know and when did he know it? In this, in this attack on the Capitol, it is what did the president do and when did he do it? And that's what they tried to show yesterday in the three hours plus of presidential inaction to stop the mob and to still try to overturn the election in the Senate on that day. I suppose the interesting thing is, what did he do and when did he do it? But what did he not do? And I suppose that then becomes a question of um, real intent or not. You know, in other words, to yeah. actually sool something on is one thing. To just go paralysed and do nothing, I'm not, you know, I, I suppose that could be the argument some would make. He just stalled. He, he was shocked. Now, is that, is that sort of gaining, is that got any no. credence? He was, he was implored by his staff, by his family, by his associates political associates, by members of Congress, call off the mob, tell them to leave, tell them to go home. He sat in silence in the uh, dining room off the Oval Office watching Fox News and and refusing to act. He didn't say anything or do anything to to turn back the violence. He tweeted uh, that Mike Pence had betrayed him while the attack was going on, and that incited further violence by the mob. 
he did nothing until the, it was clear the tide returned and the day was not going to be his. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think showing this um, uh, inherent, this pattern of inactivity in an attempt to have what the chairman of the committee said, an attempted coup in the United States. Mm. What happens now in a formal sense? Who is the report delivered to? The report will be made, uh, it's to the House of Representatives. It's the House of Representatives Select Committee. And, um, and I th- but I think there are a couple of other steps before the final report is done. Um, the, the committee signaled uh, yesterday that there will be f- further hearings because the dam has broken. Other witnesses are coming forward, which will sort of deepen the narrative that has been presented so far. I believe they will, before the midterm elections, present an interim report of interim findings. And then as Congress uh, ends its session and is prorogued, like the Australian Parliament, it will go out of business at the end of December, early January, and then the new Congress elected in November will come into place. A final report will be issued by then. A lot of people are looking at, well, all this evidence, all this testimony, and one important thing, as we listen to it, all the people testifying are Republicans. They all work for Trump. They're all associates of him. And to a person, except for the president, they're disgusted by what happened. And I think that is very telling and gives a lot of credibility and resonance to what's going on. But the question is, is there legal consequence, accountability, legal accountability by Donald Trump for these events? Well, that's the crucial one, isn't it? And is, is it even wise? If, even if there is, this is what people are wondering about, would it be wise to follow through or would you further divide America by doing that, charging us a, a president? It, it will be divisive if it's done, but I think a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that the crime was so, the alleged crime, okay, that the, these crimes were so heinous that they deserve to be uh, tested. It, it, it's not just the Attorney General says, I'm prosecuting you. You convene a grand jury, you present evidence, and indictments are made. The indictment in this case would be um, obstruction of Congress and attempt to stop Congress from doing its constitutional duty. There are other people who want to charge Trump with insurrection and treason and things like that. But uh, Honestly, what was the mob trying to do? It was trying to stop Congress from doing its job. Who called the mob to Washington? Trump. Who encouraged them to march on the Capitol? He did. He wanted to join the march. I think that is contestable legal territory. And look, the, last, the big question, do you think, because I've read varying views of this, that it has had an impact on changing his supporters' minds and, and even just a, a group out from him, the next sort of concentric circle out, yeah. people who are unsure, I subtly think, or obviously? I, I think there's a, a growing sense among... Trump has his base, but I think there's a growing sense among a lot of Republicans that we have to go forward. We can't be obsessed with the 2020 election in the past. And we saw in the tape yesterday, Trump could not say the election is over. He just couldn't say that. I think the Republican Party... Many want to say the election is over and let's go on to the future, and that means let's go on with someone else. So, I, And that provides an opening for people to go against Trump in primaries to, for the Republican nomination. I think uh, the, the people to watch are Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, mm. Mike Pompeo, former secretary of state. He's lost Pence, 40 kilograms of weight, I read. Listen, I think that's a telling sign, you know, that mm. he's in your future. <laughs> and, um, and they will pre- present themselves as, Trump without the nonsense, Trump without the personality defects. You love what he did. I'll do it too, but without all the stuff that goes with it. (laughs) Interesting. All right, Bruce, thank you very much indeed.
Thank you, Geraldine. Bru- All the best. Bru- I'm glad your bag came back. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Not the biggest issue on the planet, but anyway, to me it was for oh, a while. It's <laughs> okay. It's uh, Bruce, Bruce Wolfe, a senior fellow at the US Studies Centre, joining us uh, from Colorado. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.